Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 8. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Joe, one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you came out on this rainy day. I have uh, two announcements before we get to the sermon. Uh, one came in late. Should be a graphic that's coming up behind me here. Well, this is an event um, put on by a group of Christian men called the Waymakers. Uh, it's a Christian men's group that represents many different denominations, and they have assembled this event called Audience of One. It's a music celebration of the worship Jesus. The event will take place on Friday, July 21st at Iron Sea Park on Philadelphia Street from 5.30 to 8.30. Uh, musicians and singers from various churches will be providing free entertainment. This is an opportunity for believers from all churches to come together to enjoy praise and worship music or giving glory to God and being a visual influence to those in our community by sharing the truth and love. A uh, number of guys in our church are part of this group. Um, the group is actually led by Scott Wigner, who leads FCA. If you've been here, he's around and, and speaks here at times. Um, so great event. Mark your calendars. That will be Friday, July 21st at Iron Sea Park. Second announcement, which will lead into our prayer time, is Kay McCoy is preaching at Anchor Church this morning here in Indiana. And one of the things, one of our heart's desire is to be able to support other local churches that preach the gospel, especially in our region, but kind of all over. And so um, Brandon Stickler needed someone to preach this Sunday, and Kay offered to go over. So that's all. As we pray for this sermon, we'll pray for Kay as well. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you that there truly is one body in, in Christ, and so it has many expressions even in our region. Um, we are one in Jesus, and I pray you would use Kay to encourage and strengthen uh, the people of Anchor Church. And so we pray that there would be salvation for today. And Holy Spirit, we ask for your help here as we listen to your word and we really consider what it means to follow you. And I ask for your help as, we, as I preach. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're newer to the church, uh, we are going through a series on the book of Matthew entitled King of Kings. We've been going through the series for quite some time, and we are now chapter 8, verses 18 through 27. So if you have a Bible, you can pull that up or mark that. We're going to be working through verses uh, 18 through 27 of chapter 8. Raise your hand if you know who Bear Grylls is. So, a lot of you do. Raise your hand if you've ever watched the show Running Wild with Bear Grylls. Let me read the description that I looked up online. Running Wild with Bear Grylls is a survival skills reality TV show starring Bear Grylls. In each episode, Grylls brings a different celebrity along on his adventure. So, get somebody famous, go on the show. They don't seem to know what they signed up for other than an epic adventure. And then the show goes. So, um, it's a little bit predictable, but always entertaining. And so, you know there's going to be either a cliff to climb up or climb down. There's going to be cold waters to jump into. 
um, there's going to be something disgusting to eat. And um, and the celebrities, depending on who they are, they, they are extremely expressive, frightened, freaked out, scared, terrified. And as the, the epic adventure gets more difficult, they stay closer and closer to Bear Grylls because he's the expert. He knows what he's doing. Uh, I want you to have that picture because on a much greater scale, um, much greater scale, but a similar reality, when it comes to following Jesus, to really trusting in Jesus and being a follower, a lifelong follower, um, when you first turn from your sins and trust in Jesus, whether you knew it or not, you signed up for this epic adventure of faith. And most likely, depending how far you are into this adventure, it's more difficult than you might have imagined at times. It might be more thrilling than you've imagined at times. But nonetheless, we do best to stay very, very close to Jesus. Today, we're really going to consider two words as we look at uh, three different scenes in, in this section of Matthew. And the two words are, follow me. What does it mean to truly be a lifelong follower of Jesus? What we're going to see today is we're going to see um, two, let's say, prospective disciples that are considering following Jesus, and Jesus is, is helping them to understand it's not just a sign up and, and pray a prayer. This is a big, lifelong commitment. And then we're going to see he's taking the 12 disciples into this massive storm where they think they're going to die because the storm is so intense. But in all those examples, we're going to see that Jesus wants them to know the best and safest place you can be is following Jesus and trusting in him. So point one is this. Following Jesus requires our lifelong allegiance. Matthew 8, 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. So they're about to go in the boat. Um, and a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. So here's what's happening. Jesus is telling the twelve disciples, to get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side. There's a massive crowd that's been following because of his teaching and because of his miracles. Um, it's interesting, the first guy you meet is a scribe. Um, in, if you're familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, scribes, for the most part, were opposed to Jesus and his ministry. And the scribe was basically um, an official of the ancient world who, who wrote and copied and preserved documents, including the Old Testament scriptures. So it was uncommon for one to want to follow Jesus. But Jesus, as he often does, he, he probes deeper um, when someone says, I want to follow you. He wants them to know, okay, this is what it really means. This is what you're really signing up for. And for whatever reason, this was particularly pointed for the scribe. And, and this is what he says in verse 20. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, 
Foxes have a den that they sleep in. Birds have nests in the trees that they can stay protected and sheltered. But the Son of Man, referring to himself, I don't even have a house. I'm functionally homeless. If you study Jesus' ministry, he was dependent on the hospitality of others for food and shelter. And so maybe the scribe had a, this prestigious um, idea, especially because he was gifted and skilled and highly intelligent, that to be with Jesus meant he would have had an elevated position. And you say, it's not like that. When you follow me, you follow me. You are all in in following me. One of the things I really appreciate about Jesus, he, he was always very clear of the cost of being a lifelong follower of Jesus. Listen to this in John 15, 20. Remember the words that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. In other words, to follow Jesus may, may mean that you are signing up for persecution, for ridicule, for an element of danger. Uh, he says this in John 16, 33. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. So we can have this deep inner peace through our relationship with Jesus. But in the world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So we can have this internal peace because we're right with God, our maker and creator. But that does not mean that life will be easy or problem-free. So there will be a day when there is no more grief, sorrow, pain, life challenges, relational challenges, family challenges, uh, workplace challenges, that day is not today. That day will be when we go to be with the Lord. In the meantime, you will have trouble, but, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. We just need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He wants us to know, and he wants the scribe to know, you got to count the cost when you follow Jesus. You might remember when the Apostle Paul um, referred to as Saul, his Jewish name, in the book of Acts. Uh, he's, he's going to Damascus to get people to really hunt down Christians before he met the Lord. And he's, he's got names, and he's going to look. He wants them to be arrested for the faith. And then he encounters Jesus himself, and he is saved. And this is one of the things that the Lord says about him. But the Lord said to him, speaking to another man, Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. The Apostle Paul's calling was great. There really isn't anyone more influential in New Testament church history than him. But part of the calling was a call to suffer. And the Apostle Paul fully embraced it and wholeheartedly went all in with Jesus. Remember last week, our main passage for you Sunday was this, written by the Apostle Paul. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith 
became the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So it was costly for the Apostle Paul to follow Jesus, but he rested assured in God's love displayed in Christ, that he knew he was fully justified and forgiven by Jesus himself. See, the call to follow Jesus is really the greatest privilege that a human being can receive. And when we get saved, it's a free gift, no strings attached. But when that happens and God makes us alive through the Holy Spirit, Jesus expects that we go all in, that we will be his students for life, that we will follow him for life. And that's what he wants this scribe to know, that to follow me isn't a life of prestige and being on stage and signing autographs and living in mansions and eating lots of choice food. And then he says something really interesting in this passage where he refers to himself as the Son of Man in verse 20. Says the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The Son of Man, that title, the way Jesus is using it, is the title for the Messiah that's mentioned in the book of Daniel. And he's saying, I am the promised king from Daniel 7. Jesus actually uses this title some 80 times in the Gospels. Even the Son of Man, even the King of Kings, even God with us, even the one who has no beginning is going to have a hard road while he's here on earth. So you just got to know what it means to go all in with Jesus. So that's the first man we encounter. Now we encounter a second man who wants to follow Jesus. And what Jesus says at first is going to sound harsh. So I'll just warn you. And you're like, really Jesus? Are you sure you want to say that? That doesn't seem like something you should be saying. So listen to this. And then I'll try to explain the options that, that this might, might be. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Before I follow you, let me just bury my dad. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their dead. To bury their own dead. Jesus, I, I want to follow you, but I need to bury my father. And he's saying, now, follow me, let the dead take care of the dead. That sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? So scholars are kind of all over the place on what this might mean, so I'll, I'll give you some options. And if you're newer to the church, what we encourage you to do is be students of God's Word. Study, I'll, I'll give you some options, and um, want you to land on what you think is most accurate. I think the clear meaning kind of fits with the one above is, it's costly to follow Jesus. Don't make excuses to follow Jesus. So here's some options. Um, one scenario is that the man's father already died. So in Jewish customs of that time, it was, this is going to sound a little gross, but it was, it was common practice for someone to die, and then you actually rebury them a year later after their, their body has deteriorated. So you, you, they die, you bury them, so he's actually already dead, already buried. And then you circle back around and do it all over again. Um, that's option one. Um, option two, uh, which um, a number of your study Bibles might present. This is from the New King James Study Bible. This passage most likely describes a follower whose father was still alive. 
because by Levitical law, the man would not be out in public if his father had died. His father was aged, so the man wanted to go home, wait for his father to die, and then follow Christ. Jesus, his answer means that we must never make excuses for refusing to follow him. There is no better time than the present. I mean, that seems plausible as well. So you work through that, but the big idea is, is don't make excuses in following Jesus. We should go all in in our life's pursuit of Jesus. You will never regret being all in in your relationship with Jesus. And think about it, people make excuses in our pursuit of Jesus all the time. So, so here's some common ones. Uh, once I graduate high school, I'll get more serious about my relationship with Jesus. Right now, I just kind of want to have fun, and then I'll get more serious. Once I graduate college, I'll get more serious. Once I get married, then I'll start reading my Bible and pursuing the Lord and using my gifts, time, talents, money to serve the Lord. Once I get my big project done, whatever that big project is, I will get more serious about following Jesus. Once I get promoted at work, I won't overwork, and then I'll get more serious about following Jesus. Once I retire, then I will fully commit to following Jesus. And for, I know we have a number of retired people in the room, you are the busiest people that I know, so... That one doesn't work too well either. Here's the point. We, we all will have excuses. But Jesus wants our hearts. He wants our allegiance. And you will be most satisfied in the Lord if you are wholeheartedly pursuing. One of my hopes of this passage and this sermon is that if you've drifted from pursuing Jesus, maybe you're more passionate at one earlier point in your life. Maybe you were more radical in sharing the gospel. Maybe you were more all in in church involvement at one point, but because of life and circumstances and relational difficulties and being burnt or church relationships or whatever it would be, you just step back. Look to Jesus. Jesus, I want my remaining days, whether they are few or many, to be for you. I want my gifts and my talents and my energy to be used for you. See, following Jesus is a call to full allegiance. You'll see that throughout the Gospels. We're to seek Him first above all things. And here's the thing. When you do that, you're going to be the most joyful. You're going to have the most peace. It doesn't mean your life will be easy, but it will be good. It will be pleasing to the Lord. Second point. Following Jesus requires faith in Him. Following Jesus requires a real trust. He's going to take you through things and through circumstances and situations that are humanly impossible. And that's a good thing because then you will get outside of yourself and you will trust in Jesus. I mean, just like when Bear Girls take someone on these epic adventures, one of the things you notice is the harder it gets, the closer they are to bear. Like, where'd you go? Don't leave me. If they're in cold water, they're, they're trying to touch him. They're trying to be as close as possible because they know he's the one who knows how to get through to where they're going. Jesus is the only one that can get us safely to heaven. And he promises 
He won't lose one of them. If you've trusted in Jesus, he's going to make sure you safely make it to eternity. You can trust him. So look at this. This is a familiar account maybe to some of you. But I don't want you to miss what's happening here. Jesus is about to lead his disciples into a very dangerous situation. He's actually leading them right into danger. Why would he do that? He would do that because he wants them to learn something about who he is. Verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. So, Jesus, where you go, we'll go. And behold, there was a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. When my kids were younger, this is one of my favorite stories to read in the children's Bible. Like, whenever they come up, hey guys, this is a good one. Let's make noise. It's like wind sound. It's like waves. Get the bed rocking. This is a terrifying storm that came up very suddenly. The one Greek word had the same kind of connotation as an earthquake. This sudden thing that happened that would have just slammed them. And a number of the disciples are experienced fishermen. So we know that this was a big deal because they were fearful for their lives. Jesus led them in a boat into a storm that was life-threatening. And what is Jesus doing while they're being terrified? He's sound asleep. He's sound asleep. From that, we learn a couple things. We see his humanity on display. He has just caught massive crowds, healed massive crowds, and he is physically exhausted. He also illustrates what we just talked about, that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, no bed and breakfast, no nice home in the countryside. He's sleeping on a wooden boat because he's so tired. We also know he's not afraid. He's not concerned. And as they are panicking, and maybe rightly so, and you would be panicking too, we're going to die, Jesus. Wake up. He's, he's not afraid. And they shouldn't be afraid either because of who is with them. See, their, their king and their captain is right beside them. Their king and their captain is near. And as a believer, your king and captain is always, always near. But it's going to take them a minute to, to recognize this. Keep in mind, they've already seen Jesus do incredible. He's healed people with leprosy. He's healed paralytics. He's healed blind. I mean, he's done some stuff that you and I can't do. But they haven't seen this yet. And so this is a different category for them. So look at verse 25. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord. We are perishing. Now, now think about this. It's not like, tap, 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 Jesus. Hey, you got a problem here. Jesus, don't you wake up? Now, this is like when you're you're doing that parental thing where your kids should be doing summer chores. And, hey guys, it's time to get up. Now this is even more powerful though. <laughs> wake up, Jesus, we're dying. And Jesus wakes up. 
Uh, I like Mark's accounts because not only do they wake him up, but they actually question Jesus' motives, which we have a tendency to do too. So you're in a difficult circumstance. Jesus, I thought you were leading us. How can we be in this predicament? You look at verses uh, 37 38 of Mark 4. And a great windstorm arose. This is the same scene. And waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So it's filling up with water. Water's coming in. We're, we're going down. So he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, listen to what they said Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Teacher, Son of God, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, promised Messiah, the one who will be crucified in our place, as Isaiah 53 predicts. Yeah, you won't even care about it. You don't even care. See, they're they're missing who Jesus is massively in that moment, both in his power, but also in his love. And we can do the same thing. We can miss his power. And we can miss his love. One of the things I've said over and over again, and we as pastors want you to get, do not judge God's character by your life circumstances. Judge it by who God has revealed himself to be in the scriptures. Primarily a crucified Savior who bled and died for us. That's how you know if God loves you. So you may have a very difficult road in life, but if you know Jesus, you can say what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 3.20, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul was able to say that when he was being beat up for the faith, when he was shipwrecked, when he was in deep trouble, when he, he knew his death was imminent. He rested assured in Jesus' love for him. Sometimes, Jesus just brings us right into the middle of the storm. And when he does that, we learn to depend on him. We learn to trust him. We, we get outside of ourselves. We're no longer trusting in our own strength, life experience, knowledge. Jesus, I need you. If you don't come through, it's, it's over. It's a healthy but scary place to be. Now listen to what he says to his disciples. He said to them this, Why are you afraid? Now, wouldn't you love to see their faces when you ask that question? So, you think you're going to drown. Water's coming in the boat. The storm is still raging. And the first thing he says, you know, from his, his sleep is, What's wrong, guys? Why, why are you so afraid? And they probably, I don't know what they said. We weren't, weren't there. But they probably knew enough to not say anything. But you imagine what they're thinking. Well, you know, Jesus, we're dying. That's why we're afraid. Uh, we're all about to drown in your sound sleep. That's why we're afraid. But then he says, Oh, you of little faith. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know why I came? So imagine this loud, noisy scene, wind, rain, and emotions are just ramped up. And fear and the fear of death. And then all of a sudden, when he rose up, he rebuked the wind and the sea and there was great calm. Jesus. If you've been on the water in 
Miami found a big body of water, even when storms come and then they pass, it doesn't dissipate. That's what would have happened. Loud, raging water, all of a sudden, and the sea quiets. He rebukes, he speaks to the wind and the waves. He speaks to his creation, and his creation submits and obeys. Then the man marveled and said, what, what sort of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey. See, Jesus took them into a storm to show his disciples how, how great and awesome he is. What, what kind of man is this? Holy God, holy human, looks at the wind and the waves, but speaks. See, Jesus does not affirm their fears. He redirects them to him. He wants them to know, look at me, trust in me, put your hope in me. See, to follow Jesus will require faith. It will require trust. You some of you have been following Jesus for decades. Some of you are just starting out following Jesus. What you learn and you discover is he is always trustworthy. He is always faithful. He will work in ways that you could never, ever conceive or imagine. And all he wants is your heart. He wants your allegiance. He wants your trust. He wants your worship. And so he takes him through the storm to teach them and reveal his character. What sort of man is this? Even winds and waves obey him. He's the sort of man that Matthew begins his book describing. He's the savior of the world. He's God with us. So, in a room of size, we have all kinds of potential challenges, relational challenges, life pressures, work pressures, family pressures, all kinds of stuff. Take all that stuff and submit it to Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to seek you first. Maybe you have massive financial pressures and problems. I'm going to seek you first. Maybe there's just some impossible thing that you can't figure this out. Jesus, I'm going to seek you first. Trust you and watch you work. He wants you. Those words, follow me, are for you. They're for you who have been following Jesus for a while and maybe have kind of meandered the wrong way. They're for those of you who haven't yet trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, haven't repented of your sins. He calls to you, follow me. And when you follow him, listen to this beautiful verse that we're going to end with. When you follow him, Nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate you from God's love for you. Nothing, no matter what you go through. And you can rest and be secure in this. It says this in Romans 8. What shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him Graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? 
Christ Jesus, the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, we are regarded sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has been wrapped in realities and truth. The band can come up, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a final song. And this final song, make this your prayer and response to follow Jesus. Maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe it's a call out for the first time. So if you all wouldn't mind standing, and we'll pray, and then we'll sing this final song. Holy Spirit, we ask for power and conviction to follow you. For those of us who are Christ have just gotten out of whack. Would you help us? For those who are just hammered by the pressures and storms of life, would you bring clarity so that they can see you for who you are, King and Captain, who will lead them through the difficulties they are in? For those who haven't yet put their faith in you, would you show them your great need for our Lord and Savior? And Lord, may we all make this song a prayer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.